Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. One minute I was walking out of the cave and the next minute the world just kind of went mad. And I had I had some inkling that some rocks had moved and it was all going horribly wrong. In November of 2021, George Lenane was exploring a cave in Wales with his friends Melissa Bell and Mark Berkey. We went into the cave uh, about half past ten. We took some photos because it's all quite pretty. Uh, continued on and uh, explored all of the passages in that area of the cave. And we had one final area left to have a look at. They were inside what's known as the Cave of the Black Spring. It's the deepest cave in the UK. All three of them are experienced cavers. And Mark Berkey had been inside this cave many times before. So I'd gone first, uh, went down the bottom of a boulder slope, and I was continuing along the passage and I heard this immense rumble of rockfall um, and I heard Mel shout out and I thought it was Mel that had hurt herself so I spun around um, and started heading back towards uh, towards Mel and George and there was now a hole in the floor that hadn't been there previously and Mel was shouting to me saying it's not me it's George I, f- I remember my legs kind of whirling around in 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 midair, um, and I remember trying to climb up whatever was in front of me with my arms, and then it all went very dark, um, and yeah, a couple of minutes went past. Um, I couldn't have told you if it was a couple of minutes or a couple of hours, but apparently it was it, it was it was a, cu- a couple of minutes, and I kind of kind of groggily came around and I could I could hear Mark shouting my name. We were both shouting for George and there was no response at all. We couldn't see his headlight, we couldn't see George himself. Um, and it was a it was kind of the longest couple of minutes ever uh, just peering down this, this dark void uh, and not knowing whether he was alive or dead at the time. Um, after a couple of minutes, George groaned, so we knew that he was he was at least alive at that point. 
were you able to kind of look up and, and get a sense of how far you had fallen or how hard it was going to be to get someone to you? No, I had absolutely no idea. I was, I was, I was lying on my front and um, my world ended about two inches in front of my face. Um, I've, 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 I could see the floor and, 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 that, and that was about it. I was, I was struggling to move anything. Um, I was able to move my arms so I could put my arms out to my left and out to my right and I kind of gathered that I was in, well, in the bottom of a rift um, because I could feel a wall on my left and feel a wall on my right just about. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't kind of see back to where I'd come from. Did you know that you were hurt badly? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, it was, it was, it was fairly obvious as soon as I tried to move. When the floor collapsed beneath him, George had fallen more than two stories. His leg was broken, his jaw too. He was missing teeth and had pain in his chest. Mark knew that George was in shock and that he needed to go for help. And I think I told him to hurry up. <laughs> um, and um, and he left Mel where she was. Um, she was essentially trapped um, above me, um, not daring to move a muscle in case she um, caused more rocks to fall on me. Were you two talking to each other? Yes. Um, she, <laughs> she wouldn't stop talking, which was... Um, important in a way um it, it, well it was it, not in a way it was important she was basically trying to keep me conscious and to get me to keep sort of moving things to keep whatever whatever blood flow um going so yeah she she talked to me pretty much non-stop for about three hours she 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 kept going and going and going basically talked about everything i think you know life partners dogs jobs whatever um, just in, in, in an attempt to sort of keep me conscious and, and, and with it. I kind of flip-flopped between, between two mental states. I was, I, some, some, sometimes I, I tried to stay, I tried to stay positive and, you know, I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Mel, I'm going to stay conscious. But that was, that was really, really hard to do at, at, at that point. Um, I'd kind of do it for a little while and then think, oh, do you know what? This is too hard. I don't know if I'm if if, if I'm if I'm going to make it. I think I'm just going to close my eyes and drift off for a bit, and whatever will be will be. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, like it was it was it was it was a pretty dark few hours. I'm not going to lie. As George lay in the cave talking to Melissa up above him, Mark was making his way back to the surface. It took him about an hour. But when someone gets injured inside a cave, it isn't like any emergency responder can come and help rescue them. It's only other people who explore caves who can get them out. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Steve Thomas lives about 20 miles from the Cave of the Black Spring and was one of the first people to come and help after George's accident. He's been a member of his local cave rescue team for the past 30 years. How often are you are you called to rescue someone in a cave? Um, it's probably important to understand what a rescue can involve because sometimes it's simply somebody's lost 
because caves can be quite complicated. And if you miss a certain feature, you've missed that turning or that that, that little climb or wherever it was. So people can get lost, especially if they're not familiar with the cave. Um, sometimes, very occasionally, people are just exhausted, you know, especially if they weren't quite prepared for it, they, if they weren't aware of what a cave trip would involve. Uh, and they're just tired. So we've just got to go in and, you know, get their enthusiasm up and, and make sure they can get out. In terms of accidents, it's quite a rare thing. It's, it's, it's not a regular occurrence. It's usually, if there is an accident, it's somebody's twisted an ankle or, or something like that, or they've, they've slipped and banged themselves into a rock and they've just knocked the wind out of themselves. Um, but it, it's, it's not that common compared to, to how many trips are made each year. It's estimated that there are about 4,000 regular cavers in the UK today. Caving, which is also called spelunking in the United States, became popular in the UK after the end of World War II. The places don't change. So you're, you're looking at passages that haven't changed in thousands and thousands of years. And uh, there's a real spirit of adventure you feel as well. You, know, you, you might not be the first person in that particular cave, but if you've never been in there before, you are exploring it for yourself. In 1959, a 20-year-old British college student got stuck in a narrow, unexplored passageway of a cave. He died from carbon dioxide poisoning before he was able to be rescued. Cavers recognized that as their sport grew, they needed to create their own safety networks. There are now at least 16 cave rescue groups made up entirely of volunteers across the UK. But when Steve heard about George's accident, he knew it wouldn't be a simple rescue. Because of his injuries, George couldn't walk. He'd need to be carried out on a stretcher. The cave of the Black Spring has three entrances, and one that a stretcher would fit through was miles away. So he knew straight away it was going to be a major rescue. We'll be right back. Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Hiring someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets. You also don't need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash thisislove. Just go to Indeed.com slash thisislove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash thisislove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was Saturday afternoon when Dr. Rebecca Specht got a text message that there'd been an accident at the cave of the Black Spring. When I initially saw the text, it was easy to respond and say my availability. Um, but then when I was called and asked to go underground, um, my initial thought was, I don't think I can do this. Rebecca hadn't been caving for a while. She'd been recovering from long COVID for about a year and had given birth to a baby three months earlier. She says she hadn't been away from her baby for more than an hour. But I thought about it and I realized that The whole point of me being in Cave Rescue is to be able to help in these kind of situations. Rebecca and her husband, also a member of the Cave Rescue team, quickly loaded up their two children. She was the first doctor to arrive that day. She and two other cave rescuers entered the cave through the same entrance that George had, the one that would be too difficult to bring him out of. It's quite a narrow entrance, um, and it starts off uh, by descending into a vertical pipe. So uh, they've put some um, some man-made pipe into the cave there in order to kind of hold the earth back and for you to be able to get into that section of the cave. Um, and what they've used is some uh, some sewage pipe, essentially, and that pretty much sets the tone for what's to come. Um, because following that, it's a lot of an arrow passageway, a lot of crawling. And um, by crawling, some of it's crawling on your hands and knees, but a lot of it is commando crawling. And some of it narrow enough that you can't lift your face up from the floor to see where you're going. So you're commando crawling blind, essentially, through mud and through wet passages. Rebecca got to George around 7.30 at night. When she arrived, he was having trouble breathing, and she suspected that he was bleeding internally. There's actually very little we could do to stop that underground, and so that could have potentially been life-threatening for him. And during that initial few hours, I wasn't sure if he was going to survive his injuries. Um, I felt the weight of responsibility being the only professional medical person there um i i was acutely aware of the fact that there was a significant chance that he might deteriorate and that if he did everybody would be looking to me to do something about it and actually there's there's a limit to what we're able to do underground because of the logistics and the equipment and the the things that we have available to us so, yeah, I was very aware of um, needing to be focused and go through things in a systematic way and, um, yeah, not allowing myself to feel scared or overwhelmed by the situation. More local cavers began arriving at the cave. They started taking supplies through the steep passageways down to George. Oxygen, medicines, a stretcher, ropes. It was Saturday evening, hours since George fell. Rebecca and rescuers like Steve Thomas were getting George ready to be carried out. That was logistically really challenging because we needed 
um, eight of us to lift him safely. Um, we couldn't rule out that he'd had a spinal injury, so we needed to be really careful about the way that we lifted him. Um, and there really wasn't enough space to fit anywhere near that number of people in there. So we had rescuers kind of clambering over one another, sitting in each other's laps, um, all kind of straddled over each other just to try and get the hands in that we needed to try and lift him as safely as we could and also to try and minimise the amount of pain that it caused George. And that was one of the points where I I think he really was struggling. He was screaming and crying out in pain and that was that was quite hard to hear. Um, and then he was manoeuvred uh, through passages, all, all quite small, uh, and up, uh, up pitches through a little chamber and then down another pitch. Uh, to get to where he needed to be, where we'd built this tent for him. But but that just doing that operation took, I think, 11 hours. It was a major undertaking just to get him to that point. Was he talking? What was he saying? What was it like? Did you talk to him? Yeah, well, we'd be bringing him down. Uh, I was quite close to him. In fact, you had the, uh, yeah, I had the, I had the honour of being thrown up on by him. Uh, so, so yeah, I spoke to him a bit, but he was—he wasn't really with it. He was uh, a little bit delirious, but you, you could see his his strength of character, despite everything he was going through. You know, even if you'd, you know, you try to crack a, a joke or something to just keep him with you, and uh, he, he didn't find anything particularly funny. Other thing, but he, he was kind enough to sort of raise half a smile. So yeah, he's, he was still showing himself to be a strong character. It wasn't safe for the volunteers to be down in the cave for more than a few hours. It was cold and wet. They were worried about hypothermia and exhaustion. They needed more help. So they put out a call across the entire country. This doesn't happen often, but it happens every few years. If, if you have a really big rescue, um, they need the extra manpower. Martin Grass, who lives several hours away got one of the calls. He brought more than 30 cavers in a caravan to come help George. Once they arrived at the Cave of the Black Spring, they began working in shifts, alongside volunteers from other parts of the country, setting up rigging to haul George's stretcher up through the cave. Martin was getting updates from down below. We were getting these messages saying, well... They've had to stop for another 30 minutes, and then the 30 minutes became 40, and then all this stopped. It's actually an hour because they're trying to give him this and they're trying to give that intravenously. Um, yeah, it was a concern that, um, you know, he might not pull through. Um, but everybody just kept fighting through it. You don't, although it's at the back of your mind, most people aren't thinking about that. They're just thinking, you know, we've got to get him out. We'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. George's rescue continued on through Sunday. Twenty-four hours had passed since his fall, and volunteers were very slowly getting him closer to the surface. There's parts of the cave where there are vertical pitches, so like um, places where people would need to climb vertically, and for those, um, the structure was attached to ropes and hauled up. Um, There were sections of the cave that were... Um, depending on the the shape of the cave at that point, the stretcher had to be manoeuvred into different positions. So points where he had to be, uh, the stretcher had to be tipped up on its side to fit him around things or where he had to be tilted um, either with his head up or head down in order to get him underneath rocks, over rocks, around corners, through passages. Um, And there's an, an underground river inside the cave as well. So there was a section where an inflatable addition to the stretcher was attached so that he could be partially floated along the river as people um, carried and passed the stretcher through. You have to go upstream against the water flow, which is okay as long as it's not too high. Um, But the floor is, is peppered with potholes, very deep potholes. So you take one step and you just disappear out of depth underwater so it all has to be managed very carefully people actually lay down in the stream or stood in gaps in the rocks so that the stretcher could be slid over their backs in order to support him and it was remarkable because the cave was just lined with people yeah every every section of the cave was ready to receive him well before he got there so, um, so yeah there were areas were being rigged where perhaps a rope was needed to haul up a bit or just to put a safety line on him everything was being prepared for him way before he got there. George says there are parts of his rescue that he doesn't remember. But by Sunday evening, he says he started to become more aware of what was happening around him and who was around him. When I came around, um, I noticed um, the person whose face I could, I could, I could sort of Im- immediately see ab- above the stretcher was a relatively new friend of mine. Um, Jan from um, Gloucester and you know t- time, time went on um, and as we got down to the streamway there was, th- there was another, another change of personnel and these people were from the Mendip Hills which is Somerset which is another area again um, and then Yorkshire and then the Peak District and it, it, it just it, as the rescue went on it became increasingly obvious to me that people were coming from all over the country um, to help rescue me Volunteers also came to help at the surface. A group of cavers got to work cooking. They're called the Soup Dragons, after a soup-making dragon from a 1970s British kids' TV show. And they just just went into action, and they... I don't know how they did it, but whenever you came out of the cave, somebody thrust a plate of hot food and a hot drink into your hand, uh, and all you could see was cars everywhere. It was incredible. They just kept coming. They did. Well, you know, the call call went out, and and people responded. 
we all look after each other. So if there's a, if somebody's in trouble, we all know that we're the only ones who can get them out. So we will inevitably respond. It doesn't matter how far people had to come, they came. I felt quite small fry because I'd only had to travel about 20 miles to get there. You know, as people have driven like, through the night to get there, it seems incredible. Who, who are people that are cavers? I mean, who does this? This is a, this is a very, in some ways, tight-knit group, even though you're from all over. It is tight-knit. Um, I always say it's, um, it's a real mix of people from cavers I know. I don't really know what they do for a job. Um, they never seem to have very much money. They've got a beat-up old car. Right up to caving with doctors, lawyers, um, you know, people with money. So, so you get a real mix. But I, caving brings everybody down to their own level. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a very close-knit community. George's rescue was still going on after 48 hours. And it's estimated that between 250 and 300 people had shown up to help him. Here's George. Towards the end of the rescue, when we when we were on what I would call the the home straight, there were a lot of people around, and that was that that was the, as as we as we as we got to the exit, um, I was just I, I I was aware of there being a lot of people around, um, and it was also the same thing that I noticed at the end of every caving trip I've ever done. Um, you can smell the outside when you get when you get close to the exit. You you can you can smell. I, I don't know how to describe how to describe it. I it's it's quite often. I mean, the UK is quite wet, right? We're famous for having a not not the greatest climate in the world. So quite often you can smell a bit of rain. Um, you know, you you can smell leaves and just the the fresh air from outdoors just smells that little bit different. What was the moment like when he actually? emerged from the cave well when he came out of the cave that was a it was a brilliant moment it was absolutely amazing steve thomas the entrance itself is in the side of a mountain and i'm i'm eternally grateful for this but i was i just through chance happened to be the person who was on the head of the stretcher as he came through the entrance and the entrance is only a two foot wide two foot by two foot not even that, probably a square hole with a gate on it, which we've put on in to, to keep um, children or sheep or anything out of the cave. Is for you know safety. Uh, and as he came through that hole, I just happened to be the one who was on the stretcher right next to his head. And as his head came through, <laughs> I just leaned down to him and said, "You're out of the cave, George." And so we just erupted. We we never cheer or applaud or anything after a rescue we've never done it but we did this time we're just the hillside was just full of lights from the cavers and we were just all cheering it was it was amazing absolutely amazing how long did it actually take to get him out uh, i'm told it was 54 hours but none of us were timing it uh but it it yeah, feels about right, 54 hours, yeah. It's certainly, uh, I'm told it's it's the longest UK cave rescue in history, and I can believe that. It certainly felt like it. George spent 16 days in the hospital, where his partner, Julie, was by his side. His injuries included a broken leg and broken jaw, broken ribs, 
a dislocated collarbone, and a lacerated spleen, which had been the cause of his internal bleeding. And uh, my lungs weren't too impressed either. Apparently there was some, some, some air and, and, and some blood where, where it shouldn't have been. When, when you realized, you know, bef- bef- when you were still down there and you realized that you were seeing people from all over the country um, there, how did that feel? Initially, um, an amount of guilt, to be honest. Um, I thought, you know, I've, <laughs> I've caused a major problem here and people are having to come from all over the UK to, um, to basically dig me out of it. Um, but that was, that, was a, that was a fleeting feeling um, and it was followed by an overwhelming feeling of gratitude. It was a pretty amazing thing that happened that weekend. Um, I just felt incredibly grateful um, to them for saving me. Um, I felt incredibly lucky to be alive. I felt incredibly, incredibly lucky to still be able to walk um, and to still have two legs. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because we've talked to other people who were with you in the cave. Everyone seems to say, well, that's just what you do as a caver. You help other cavers. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 no one seems to be saying, well, yeah, you know, I, I thought I'd do something nice. It just seems to be a given in this community. Well, yeah. Um, you know, ultimately... The only people that can rescue cavers are other cavers. They're the only people who have the skills to safely go into a cave and even look after themselves, let alone rescue somebody else. You know, the the police can't do it, the fire service can't do it. Um, but when it comes to being inside a cave, um, yeah, it's cave rescue or nothing. Um, so we say cave, cavers rescue cavers because because it's only, it's only cavers that can rescue cavers. George says his injuries have mostly healed. He started caving again. And he's become a provisional member of his local cave rescue team. He'll train alongside some of the same people who rescued him, like Steve Thomas and Rebecca Specht, whose older son still talks about George's rescue. For a few months afterwards, actually, when we talked to him about what bedtime story would you like tonight, he would often say, I want the story of Paulie George and the cave and the cave rescue team. And so we'd tell the story to him about all the people who came to help George. We all understand what caving is about. And we all know that things happen. It's just one of those things that happens. And George was the unlucky one that day. It could have been any one of us if we'd been going along that passage on a different day. It could have been any one of us. So nobody holds George responsible. We'll we'll never stop ribbing him about it, ever. He will never hear the end of it, especially uh, if we've had a beer or two. But nobody will ever hold him responsible or resent the fact that that we had to go and uh, rescue him. Never. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, and Samantha Brown. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. And if you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. 
It means a lot. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. And we're also on TikTok at criminal underscore podcast, where we post a lot of behind-the-scenes content of both shows. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcasts.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Love.